so yeah, so we are in a series called Real. Everyone say Real. Everyone, uh, we're in the series, and uh, REAL is actually an acronym. It stands for this. It stands for Relevant Fishermen, Engaging Influencers, Authentic Witness, and Life-Giving Farmers. And you can catch up on all of these previous uh, messages on therocknp.com. This is being recorded, uh, so you can catch up on there. Or if you like a podcast listener like myself, you can go on your favorite podcast app, look up The Rock Church North Platte, download our podcast, you can catch up right on your cell phone as you're driving or if you're at work or whatever you're doing. Um, but this message series has been actually one of my favorites to preach. I don't think it's a, a cliche for a pastor to say this, uh, but it is my heart to see our community changed by Jesus. Anyone here agree with that? It is my heart to see our community changed by Jesus. And I don't think anyone here would argue with that or, or the fact that when Jesus is in the mix in our community, uh, I believe our town gets better. Uh, if Jesus is uh, evident in our school system, I believe our school systems get better. Uh, if Jesus is, in, is evident in our judicial system, I believe our judicial system is better. I believe if Jesus is evident in a rural community like North Platte, I believe North Platte can get better simply because of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, because Jesus is the answer, is the hope to this world. And the only way he gets in this world is through you. The only way that the world sees Jesus is through you. I don't know if you guys ever thought about this, but, and, and, and hear me when I say this, because I, I don't want to uh, have us gain a Messiah complex, but I, I, I need you to know the hope of the world is through you. The hope of the world is through you because it is God's will that everyone might be saved. That, that's scripture. That's Bible talking right there. That everyone in the world, that Jesus would have people come into a personal relationship with them. But the only way to do that is through you. In fact, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Uh, if God wanted to, because God's all-powerful, I think we all agree with that, God can do whatever he wants to do, that the moment we get saved, the moment we say yes to Jesus Christ, he could beam us up to heaven just like that. But he doesn't. Why? So we can just work our jobs and get a paycheck? So we can start a family and have kids? Get married? Travel the world, see the sights? All those are good things. I'm not going to argue with that. But the very reason why God says, do you know what? You're in a relationship with me, but you're going to stay here for a little bit is so that you can go spread to the gospel into all the world. In fact, we left uh, last week uh, in the book of Acts. If you want to open up to um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, we started with the scripture that uh, Jesus really kind of gives the great commission. And uh, it's at this point where um, Jesus is about to uh, go up to heaven, but he's talking to his group of disciples. We read this last week, but I want us to see something very important in this part. And this is going to build up to our wrap-up of the real series. It's this. It says, uh, Jesus is talking, it says, but you, meaning you, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, through Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me modernize this really quick, because I know we're thinking, like, well, I don't live in the Middle East. Uh, I'm not from Samaria. I don't live in Judea. Uh, I don't do my shopping in Jerusalem. I'm in Podunk, North Platte. Anyone here with me? Or the surrounding areas, right? Let me modernize this for us, church. This is if Jesus was talking to us right now in our context. He says that you will. Everyone say, I am. 
you will be my witness in North Platte. But not only there, you're not going to stop there because when my witnessing and the power is through you, it cannot just be contained in a little rural community like North Platte. So it will not only affect North Platte, but it's going to affect Nebraska. But you have to understand that Jesus is much bigger than Nebraska, so it's not going to stay there. But it will, in fact, affect the United States and throughout the world. That's how revival starts, church. That's how Jesus gets into our community. It all starts... When a church or an individual decides, I'm going to be like Jesus where I'm at right now. And so I know we can stand back and say, man, like taking on the world, preaching the gospel, that seems like a lot. I'm not called to be a missionary. I don't feel like going on a missions trip, which I encourage you to maybe do one of those or the other. Really, really great experiences. But let me just kind of pull back a little bit. And let me, maybe I'd submit, <laughs> I was going to submit this for your, <laughs> if you guys at GLS, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but let, let, let me kind of put this in your head to think about, why don't we just start with our neighborhood? Like, let's just start with our neighbors or maybe the place we work at or why we go shop at Walmart. Why don't we just start where God has put us already? I think the biggest mistake we think about when it comes to witnessing is I think we automatically think of that third world country commercial, like you need to sponsor this child for 25 cents a day and then you can go over there and visit him. That's really good. And I'm not downing that. We do that in my family. Really, really great experience to do. But I think a lot of times we say, you know what? I can't get to Africa. I can't get to the pygmies. I can't get to Antarctica. I don't know if the penguins need Jesus, but if you need to go to Antarctica, you can go. It's really expensive to go there. But, but Jesus says, why don't you just start with your local community? And that is why at the Rock Church, we firmly believe the hope of the world is the local church. It is the local church. And that's why here at the Rock Church, we're talking about this real series. And that's why we're wrapping up with our series with this morning. Because while we're called to uh, spread the hope of the world into just our local community, I'm wondering what if we just started planting seeds of faith with those already in our lives? Here's a newsflash for you. I believe God has already put someone in your life to reach them for the gospel. More times than not, Christians pray for the opportunity to reach someone for Jesus while God's already saying, I already gave it to you. See, open up your eyes. And so that's what we're talking about is this concept of planting seeds of faith. Today we are talking about life-giving farmers. And since we live in a farming community and harvest begins next month, um, I think this is a great analogy we can learn from. If you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This is kind of our big uh, scripture today. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. we got free Bibles in the back for you. we also got scripture behind me. Also, in your message guide notes, in um, your message guides there, you can follow along. But the book of Corinthians was written by a guy by the name of Paul, who has an incredible story of meeting God on the road to Damascus. And after his life encounter, instead of hunting Christians down and killing them, he flipped a 180 and started spreading the gospel and planting churches, including this church in Corinth. A really great story. You should read about it. But he's writing this letter uh, to this church in Corinth. And this letter, during this specific part, he's talking about generosity. In fact, he's actually he's talking about money. Uh, that's a cuss word that a lot of us you don't like hearing the pastor talk about the M word money. Um, so I'm not talking about money, but we do talk about money here at the Rock Church here in a couple uh, sermon series when we're talking about a life of generosity. But he talks about this concept concerning generosity, but I think we can take this concept and apply it to most things that we do today. 
That's the cool thing about Jesus and his principles, and not just for specifically uh, a little minute thing, but you can actually apply it everywhere in your life. But Paul is talking about this piece called the concept of sowing and reaping. And he's using this concept to talk about money. And really, again, this concept can be applied to a lot of different things. But it's short and easy, and it's easy to understand, but it unpacks a powerful truth that I think we as Christians, we still have yet to unpack. And it simply says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. This is uh, Paul talking. He says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Again, he's talking about money, but we can use this analogy with pretty much anything. If you're a student about to take a test, the more you sow in your studies, the more you reap in your final grade, unless you're like Pastor Vaughn who procrastinated back in high school, but somehow yet passed. That doesn't work out all the time. Don't do that. Students, do not do that. If you're trying to lose weight, the more you sow your time in the gym, the more you will reap when you step on the scale. In your job, the more you sow in your job and how excellent you work, and if you show up early and do the things you're called to do, the more likely you'll reap a promotion. In your marriage, the more you sow in your marriage with prayer, working through the hard times, rejoicing in the good times, and being humble and not stubborn, the more you'll reap a healthy Marriage. So really, this concept of sowing and reaping applies to almost anything in life, even in the area of telling people about Jesus. The concept of sowing and reaping applies to this area about us telling people about Jesus. I think it's safe to say that everyone here would like to lead someone to Jesus, right? Like, you don't have to nod or anything. But I, th- I think if God gave you the big wide door, opened that huge barn door, and said, hey, here's your moment. Lead them to Jesus. We would be like, yes. But I think we don't witness a lot of times because every time we do, it feels like we didn't get anywhere. Maybe you tried to tell someone about Jesus, and it felt like talking to a brick wall. Maybe you got rejected, which I'll be talking about here in a little bit. They kind of just like, I don't need that. Who do you think you are? Or maybe it's more of you were just a little scared and it stopped you. But if you take this concept of sowing and reaping, what you sow in witnessing, you should write this down. What you sow in witnessing is what you will reap in witnessing. What you sow in witnessing is what you will reap in witnessing. Let me unpack that for a little bit. If you witness sparingly, church, then you will lead people to Christ sparingly. If you sow the gospel sparingly, you will lead people to Christ sparingly. But if you witness and sow the gospel bountifully, you'll win people to Christ bountifully. So what we're going to be talking about is this concept of sowing and reaping. And I, 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 want to, um, I want to get this image out of your head because you might be thinking about it. I'm not talking about you need to go out and buy a milk crate and then go on the bricks downtown, get your microphone on, plant it down there and start yelling people out for Jesus all the time. That doesn't work. In my experience, doesn't work. That's why we don't do that at the Rock Church. However, however, what if we were just intentional with every conversation we have, like, could this be a Jesus moment? Could this be the time where I need to sow a seed of faith? And so I just have three easy points like I usually do. It's very simple, easy to grasp, super practical. And the first point is this. We all know it. You reap what you sow. 
You reap what you sow. In simplified terms, my dad used always this, uh, what you get is what you give. What you get is what you give. I mean, play this little game with me, church, and kind of, it's just a little, little lame game I kind of made up. Uh, if you sow corn, you will reap what? Someone say it. Okay, if you sow oats, you will reap what? If you sow wheat, you will reap what? So, say you're out in the springtime, right? And the planters are out there doing their stuff, and the, the, the farmers are getting their, their seedings going, and you drive by a field, and nothing, uh, nothing's came up, but the farmer out there is kind of just looking out there, and you say, hey, um, what, 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 what are you expecting? Corn. So you planted corn. No, I, I, I planted wheat. Okay, for those of you who don't know farming... <laughs> What you plant in the ground is what's going to grow during the summer and fall time. So if a farmer is expecting corn, but he's planting wheat, he's going to be a little upset when harvest time comes. In fact, he might lose his job and his farm. This farmer isn't going to be happy. It's really this simple, church. It's really, really this simple. When you plant the gospel, you're going to reap souls. When you plant the gospel, you're going to reap souls. Because what you reap is what you sow. But for some reason, we have overcomplicated this issue of witnessing. And we're looking at this person that we have kind of been looking at and staring at. And maybe you've even prayed a little bit. And maybe you've kind of sent them over the mealtime dinner and all these things. But you're wondering, what in the world's going on? Maybe you didn't plant the seed. Maybe you didn't plant that seed of faith in their life. I mean, we use this concept in every other area of life. You sow kindness, you reap kindness. You sow forgiveness, you reap forgiveness. If you sow anger, you reap anger. You sow hatred, you reap hatred. And really what I want us to do is just take this method that we've already been practicing and use it when we witness to people. Let me just put it this way. I just want you to tell someone about Jesus. Really, if, if, if there's any way that I can put it without sounding super desperate, I just want you to tell someone about Jesus. Because the fact of the matter is we say we like to do that, but it happens very few times. We all want to win people to Christ, but we cannot reap where we have not sown, church. As I mentioned, it was like a couple years ago uh, where this really took on in my life and at least in the area of inviting people to church. And before that, uh, I had this huge issue, and it's still somewhat of an issue today, um, but whenever I would talk to someone, um, I had this, it was a horrible habit. If you ask my wife, it was really embarrassing to her. Um, but I would go on a conversation with complete strangers, and for whatever reason, I'd meet them at Walmart or out at a family thing, or they come to our church, that's usually what happened. And I have this way of turning the conversation to knowing whether or not if they had private hunting land. <laughs> Manipulative, I know. Horrible habit of mine. Some of you here have experienced that. That's why I hunt on your land. But I had this habit of doing that, and my wife was like, what are you doing? Can you just have a conversation without bringing up if they have hunting land? I'm like, it's just built in me. Like, it just happens. And, like, God came in my mind, and he's like, hey, what if you took your passion to finding out if they had hunting land, and what if you just turned it to me? Like, you're already turning to something, but what if you just turned it to, like, can you find out if they know me or not? 
And over the past couple years, the conversation has switched dramatically to now where someone, like I said last week, uh, someone was looking at to buy my motorcycle, and the conversation turned into, hey, do you have a church to go to? Do you know Jesus? How's life going? And I want us to get this, church, is what if we just took everyday conversations and just simply thought, is this a moment where I could spread about the gospel? Even to this day, I, I th- it's the best way to tell someone about Jesus. It's just through conversation. Let me say it this way. The best way for you to spread the gospel to someone in your life is not even to invite them to the Rock Church. This is great. I'm glad you're here. And I'm praying our church continues to grow as it is. But the best way for that person in your life to know Jesus is through you. It's so important, church, that we get this concept of sowing and reaping. And so even today, uh, what would usually happen is I would invite someone to church, and I usually took them out to Wendy's. Anyone here been to Wendy's with me when you came to the church? Yep, a lot of you guys are nodding. That's where I take you all. I take you to Wendy's. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's where we go. And we just have these conversations of just life and God and how things are going. And there are very few moments where I talk with someone that just that I walk away not knowing if they have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, because it's, it's all about intentionality, about inviting people to church and sharing the good news with them and sowing wherever I go go. And that's why I'm able to have the stories that I have. And some of us are frustrated or maybe you don't win us at all because that one time you did share about Jesus and it never worked. Can, can I tell you something? Anytime you sow a seed of faith, that's a seed not wasted. Because the Bible says his word returns not void or void, not void. There's always power when you tell someone about Jesus. So I don't want us to get in this little rut of thinking, well, it's just wasting my time. It's not going to work out. Or you're just assuming that God's not going to do anything. Or you walked away like, I don't think they got anything from it. And I know it's easy to think, well, Pastor Vaughn, you mean, you've got stories all the time. Like you shared two last time, you shared another one today. Like you just got stories. You know, the reason I'm able to have these stories is because more times than not, I sow a lot. A lot. And I have more conversations that end up with not knowing what happens to those people than I do with the conversations that I know if they have Jesus or not. But I don't know if I don't sow. And so that's why concept number one is super easy. You reap what you sow. And you cannot reap where you have not sown. Which leads to number two, you reap after you sow. Again, you pull up to the farmer, you look at an empty field and ask what he's expecting. And he says corn. And you say, oh, you planted corn. And he's saying, nope, I didn't plant anything. I'm just waiting for corn to pop up. The farmer is not going to get anything, Right? Because he didn't plant anything. You see, a lot of us, we want to win people to Christ, but we don't talk to anyone. Well, I'm just an introvert. I just don't like people. Uh, you know, I'm an extrovert, and I, I don't quite understand why you don't like people, because I love people, but I'm married to an introvert. But I will say this. God, when he said, go out and preach the gospel to all the nations, he didn't say, except for those who don't like people. 
If you're Meyer Briggs type INTJ, don't worry about this. If you're an introvert, don't worry about this. If you don't like people, don't worry about this. Let me tell you, my wife, she loves home. And she loves you when you come over. Sometimes. But she is just happy and content staying in her house and just with the kids. But let me tell you, she spreads the gospel. She does. Whether it's online or I, I tell you what, the thing that she's doing now is she's feeling this conviction where even when we're out and to complete the strangers or people, she engages in conversation. And it's not because we're forcing her to. It's not because she's like, oh, you're the pastor. I need to. It's because somehow she's feeling this conviction like, I, I'm called to do this. Like when you step in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not pick what you want to do, A, B, or C. God's saying, when you step in a relationship with me, now that you're here and you're saved, you need to go and tell someone about your story. It's the only way the world knows the gospel is through you. We want to win people to Christ, but we don't talk to anyone about him. You know, we live in a post-church era. I don't know if you guys know this, but we live in a post-church era. I mean, the majority of people know church, but sadly, there are a lot of people that don't know the gospel. And let me tell you just really quick, you can be in church all your life and still not know the gospel. It's very, very easy to do that. Even Christians, there have been surveys after surveys, even Christians, they, they, they would be asked, what's the gospel? What is the gospel? Can you share the gospel with me? And this is what they said. A lot of people said gospel is love, which that's a very small part of it. Or it's a good feeling. Or it just means to be nice and be kind and do good. And some people even said the gospel is hard to put into words. Aren't you glad like God never did that? <laughs> like, God, how do we get to heaven? Oh, it's really hard to put in words, Vaughn. It's really hard. <laughs> you see, here's the deal, church. The gospel's easy. It's simplified. Many people know church, but many don't know the life-saving gospel. The gospel, let me just read it to you. The gospel is this. It, 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 the gospel is, is to repent and believe in Jesus, that God became a man named Jesus, lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we should have died, died on a cross, rose three days later, proving that he is the son of God, and he offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who repent and believe. That's the gospel. And it's easy. And I want to make sure each and every person here, when you walk out of this place, you know you can share the gospel. You don't have to know the, the science behind creation. You don't have to know the deep theological issues of eschatology. You don't need to know all this different stuff. But what you do need to know is the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Because number one, that's how you entered in relationship with Jesus. And number two, that's how you share it with someone else. It almost sounds a little old school, don't it? You see, it's not about the worship. It's not about, like, by the way, A-plus worship time this morning, worship team. Really, really good. But it's not even about that. It's about God, through you, sharing the gospel to someone who doesn't know Jesus. I 
I want you to look at a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Again, it talks about planting, sowing, and reaping. It's Paul again addressing the church in Corinth, where they're arguing as to who they're disciples of, whether they're a disciple of Paul or by another guy named Apollos. And uh, he says, and he's trying to tell them, he says, hey, it doesn't matter uh, who you're a disciple of, we're all disciples of Jesus. Um, but you need to know that no matter who you're sharing Jesus with, it's never a seed wasted. You need to know that. It's never a seed wasted. And this is why he says this in verse four. He says, one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul. Another one says, I'm a follower of Apollos. Aren't you acting just like people of the world? Meaning like you're being immature Christians. Like stop arguing amongst yourselves. After all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? Uh, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Meaning, let me modernize this. You know, who's Vaughn? Like, he's just a dude that happens to preach. Who's this person? Like, you're elevating all these people, which is very dangerous, church. Elevating all these people in the world as leaders, and you're thinking you got saved because of him. You know, you got saved because of Jesus, and that's why you're here today. And he says, we're all God's servants. Verse 6, he says, uh, I planted the seeds in your hearts. Apollos, Apollos watered it, and it was God who made it grow. Here's the, here's the thing, church. A lot of us, we're so worried about seeing the growth and the fruit. God is telling us, saying, hey, that's not your job. Your job is not to see the fruit. Your job is not to see the growth. Your job is to simply plant and water. That's all you're called to do. Some of us, we're going to go out after this, but you're going to plant a seed of faith. But you're not going to see fruit yet. Some of us, you're going to go out and plant a seed of faith, and you're going to think you got away with nothing. But what you don't know is maybe the day earlier or years earlier, someone else planted a seed of faith, and you're simply watering it. And you never know the day where the fruit begins to bear. But that's not up to you. It's like any farmer will stay here. The farmer, he, all he can do is cultivate the crops. That's all they can do. They can't make it rain. They can't just hurry up, hurry up, little corn seed. Grow, 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 grow. No, they plant in water and the rest is up to God. The same rules apply when it comes to spreading the gospel. I've said this before. I've talked to a lot of people who at the time seemed like nothing happened, but I have no idea of their future. But maybe someone else came and shared the gospel with them again and watered that seed. And someone else shared the gospel with them and watered the seed. Here's the thing again. Opportunities for a Jesus moment is never wasted. Just like when you share the thing of Jesus, it's never a wasted moment. God will give you exactly what you need, enough time to do the job correctly, to plant and water that seed. And what is wasted is if you walk away and did nothing. That is wasted. You cannot gain that back. It's something we need to realize, church, the importance of bringing the gospel to our community. But there is no reaping if there is no sowing. So you need to ask this question yourselves, how much do you sow? When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Number three, you reap more than you sow. Now, this is where it gets really good because I love the concept of God. Angie, if you want to come up. You reap more than you sow. In this world, we work with addition. But I think you guys have heard this before. I've said it before. But we work with addition, meaning we believe we plant one, we get one, right? But God works in multiplication. 
He truly, truly does. And I said this before, but this is how God works. And he even proves it in the natural, especially in the crops that we plant. Check this out, church. If we planted two corn kernels and only received one stalk with only one ear on the stalk, we would be in jeopardy. Like half the world, three quarters of the world, will starve to death. But God doesn't work that way. But God has made it where you sow a little bit and you get back a whole lot more. You see, you plant two corn kernels that result in one stalk with five to six ears of corn, with each ear of corn having close to 300 kernels on it. And so I think a lot of times we get hung up thinking like, oh man, I only got just, I, I planted this tree and I only got one apple. It seems a lot of wasted time, but that's not how God works. You plant an apple seed, you get a tree, what do you get? Hundreds of apples. Within that apple, it's not just one seed, but I mean, with hundreds of apples, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Like, we got hundred seeds. But even in that apple, there's tons of seeds in it. See, here's the thing I'm trying to get to, church. You never know, never know the ripple effect and the impact of you sowing just one seed. Because here's the thing, only God knows the potential of that seed. We do not. While it seems like we're planting an apple tree and a tree doesn't come up and we're like, move on to the next. Someone else might come along and try to cultivate just a little bit better and water a little bit more. And years down the road, you have a mature apple tree. You see, it's, it's such a simple concept, right? Especially us living in a farm community. But this is exactly how simple God made witnessing to be. Let, let me share this with you. A couple examples of what I mean. Anyone here by, uh, name, uh, know the name of Johnny Chapman? A lot of us know as Johnny who? Appleseed, right? Johnny Appleseed. For those of you who don't know, Johnny Appleseed was a real guy, not just a folklore. He was a real guy. And for 50 years, he traveled in the early 1800s and traveled across the American territory planting apple seeds. But what some people didn't know is that Johnny Chapman, Johnny Appleseed, was a strong and adamant Christian who made his job witnessing to everyone he came across to. And so he was just planting more than just apple seeds. And they say that Johnny Appleseed is responsible for a lot of the Native American nations knowing Jesus today because of the seeds he planted back in the 1800s. Because what he would do is he'd travel all across the, the new territory before it was all bought and established and all that stuff by the American government. And he'd plant these apple seeds. And the Native Americans, they'd come up to him and, they, and he would know their language and he would speak to them. And he would always share Jesus all the time. And they left him alone because he planted apple seeds, which Native Americans, he, which is, this is a good concept to learn, was he wasn't taken from them, but he was actually giving something to them. Not only am I going to give you the gospel, I'm going to plant an apple tree that's going to help you feed in your Native American tribe. And so word got around with all these Native American nations, and they said, hey, there's this guy goes by the name of Johnny Appleseed, and we need to leave him alone because we believe he is personal friends with the great spirit. And he was, of course, the Holy Spirit. You see, Johnny would have no idea the impact he was making, but he's being faithful with the seeds that he was given. 
and he planted the seeds of faith. Here's another story. Have you heard of the name of Edward Kimball? Not many of us have. I've never heard of his name until I did the studying. He was a Sunday school teacher. I'm going to read this. I don't want to mess it up. He was a Sunday school teacher who witnessed to a shoe salesman named Dwight L. Moody, who became a preacher and witnessed to a guy named Frederick B. Meyer, who accepted Christ. Frederick B. Meyer became a preacher who witnessed to Wilbur Chapman, who witnessed to a baseball player named Billy Sunday, accepted Christ and became an evangelist. Billy Sunday moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, held a huge revival where tons of people got saved. They asked him to come back and he said his schedule was so full. So he sent his intern that came back and no one showed up except just for a little bit and the intern's name was Mordecai Ham, which we know to be the guy who went to the tent meeting. No one accepted Christ except for one little boy named Billy Graham. You see, you don't know the impact of one seed that you plant. And I'm, maybe it's just me, but I'm the type of guy, I, I would rather know that I failed and didn't get anywhere than wonder what if. Like, I want to exhaust all dead ends to find that one right. And so do we here at the Rock Church, and that is why we are going to do everything really short of sin to reach people. You know why? Because lost people matter to the Rock Church. Billy Graham went on and thousands and thousands and thousands of people got saved all because a Sunday school teacher witnessed to a shoe salesman. You have no idea the impact, the seed that you're going to plant. When it comes to sowing the gospel, you have no idea the harvest because each seed sowed is a seed not wasted. A seed wasted is a seed that was never sown in the first place, church. So it got me a little curious because I've never thought about this. I know my ancestral uh, background. I know where my ancestors are, but I never thought of like my spiritual ancestors. Like how did like salvation come through my family? Because my family are are all saved. They're doing really, really great. And so I texted my dad and I was hoping to do some really, I was hoping, man, this is gonna be so great. It's gonna get traced all the way back to Billy Graham and I'm gonna like win my church and everyone's gonna start crying and we're gonna have a great revival. It's gonna be great. But I, because The truth of the matter is this, church. That's not all of our stories. And so I texted my dad, and I texted him. I said, hey, do you remember the church name and the pastor that you got saved? Turns out that he was uh, actually, it was his girlfriend at the time. (laughs) There you go, dad's online, you can hear that. Um, But he was a freshman, and his girlfriend invited him to church. And he said he got invited to the Baptist church. And I said, do you remember the church name or the pastor there? I'm doing some digging things for my message this Sunday. And he said, I don't remember the pastor's name, but it was the first Baptist church in Forsyth, Montana. For those of you who don't know Forsyth, it's the size of Sutherland. You see, my dad got saved there, probably by a pastor whose name that none of us know and we probably won't know. But then my dad got married to my mom who my mom came back from Assembly of God Church in Baker, Montana, which is the sound of Sutherland. (laughs) Super small place. They got married and dedicated that their house was going to be a house of God. And because that, their children are saved. They're doing great. One of them became an awesome pastor. 
But I need you to know the impact you have, church. Because we might not have a spiritual ancestry lineage like that one that we just read. Well, that's great. A lot of us, we come from small towns. But it doesn't matter because even in small towns, Jesus is present. And in small towns, there are people who don't know Jesus, and God wants them to know them through you. So here's the thing, church. Tune in here. Here's the thing. We have a job to do. We have a job to do. It's not our job to say the seed is worth it or it's not. Is this person going to take it seriously or not? Our job is to plant and water. And the only person who has the power to make someone saved is not you, but it's only Jesus. And when we have planted and where we have watered, God will bring the growth because God's word does not return back with ineffective power. It is always, always worth it. Church, just share your faith. You have no idea how many will come to Christ because of a seed you plant. We're called to be life-giving farmers while living in this world, planting and watering seeds of the gospel in people's lives. Here's the thing, church. No one is too old or too young to go and farm, to plant and water and watch it grow and reap the harvest. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and be real witnesses for Christ. And I'm telling you, this new school year is going to be a season for our church of sowing and reaping. Because what we see today doesn't just happen by accident, but because of people like you going out and being intentional of sowing seeds of faith in people's lives. And that's what we're going to be doing here at the Rock Church. Everyone should say amen. So church, can we just be real? Jesus followers, real witnesses of Christ. And let's go out and just sow seeds of faith wherever we go. Right after this, if, if you're out eating at lunch at Ruby Tuesday, sow a seed of faith there. I don't know how, just do it. it might be a little weird, but it'll come natural. Let me show you this one more story. I'm going to end in prayer. I was uh, on staff up in a uh, church in Scotts Bluff where uh, a great pastor up there was uh, really raising me up and become a pastor, which was really, really cool because I didn't go to seminary or anything like that. But he saw potential, uh, what God might be doing through my life. And so he raised me up. And we'd go out and eat, and he would have this habit that would cause me just to get a little bit embarrassed. You see, every time we'd go out and eat, he would get to know the waitress or the waiter. More time, it was the waitress. And he would have no idea who they were. And I was kind of new to the thing. And, he, and he, so he'd be getting, getting his food, and he'd be like, so, Ashley, how's life? look at him, I'm like, you're going to scare Ashley away from our church. And Ashley would always have something to pipe up. This one specific time, we were at a pastor's conference down in Kansas City, um, eating at the Cheesecake Factory. And we're eating there, and there's this gal, I forgot her name, but she came up. And uh, we are of course, got done with the convention. They closed at 11. We showed up at 1030, which is not always the best thing for waitresses. So we show up there, and we have a crowd of about like 10 people. And we're happy, we're rejoicing, we're kind of rambunctious because we just got out of this big convention. And um, this gal, waitress, comes up, and the pastor, just like he always does, says, hey, how's life going? And I'm telling you, when you ask that question, people open up. Because we found out this waitress, the reason why she was kind of being snippy and all that wasn't because we are there almost by the time of closing. I'm pretty sure that didn't help. But we found out that she was pregnant with twins. The father left. All her family lives in Minnesota, and she's all alone in Kansas City. And she has no idea what she's going to do with these babies. 
Now, most of us would be like, wow, that just ruined our dinner, ruined my good time. But you see, when you sow a seed of faith, you get opportunities that you'd never get. And so we had this opportunity, and we just invested. We loved on her. We asked when she, or the due date, what the, what the kids' names. We thought what the names should be. The kids' names are not Vaughn. I wish it was, uh, but it's not. If, you want, if you're pregnant, you want to name a kid Vaughn. Totally cool. Um, but uh, they, so she was just telling all this, and then at the end, we did the cool thing of we gathered, and we just tipped tremendously to her because she wasn't going to have a baby shower, and these are her first kids. So like, you know, we'll make sure you have everything that you need. We got that. And then we prayed for her. Now, we have no idea if she's saved or not right now. I have no idea if she moved back to Minnesota or if she's still in Kansas City or if she got back with the dad that left. I have no idea. But we did know that we had a chance to plant a seed of faith. Or if a seed of faith was already planted, we had a chance to water it. You see, it's as easy as that, church. And the more you sow the more natural it gets. Just like the more you farm, the more natural the concept gets. So let's just be life-giving farmers, church, and let's start with our community. Let's go and pray. Father, I thank you for this message. I know it was a super practical message. I know it's uh, just kind of it's easy just to listen and to go, but Lord, I don't want this just to be just a good message. Lord, I want this to be a message where we're going to go out into our community and apply this stuff. That we're going to be relevant fishermen. We're going to, we're going to know how to fish for the people, Lord. That we're going to be uh, engaging influencers. That we realize that we have influence and we're going to be intentional with it. God, that we're going to be authentic witnesses, Lord. That we're not going to try to conjure up something real or try to be someone else. But we're just going to be us with our story of God. And you're going to give us someone to reach that person with. And Lord, we're going to be life-giving farmers, Lord. We're going to live this life sowing wherever we go. God, it says in the scripture that if we just go out and look at the fields, they're white and ready for the harvest. Meaning everything is ripe. Everything is ready to go. We just need the workers to go out there and reap the harvest. Lord, may we sign up to do that job. I've got two calls this morning. Heads about, eyes closed. Number one is this. If you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you the chance to do so. Because this Jesus we talk about, we believe he's the real deal. We believe that he is the son of God. He did live a life that we could not live. He did die a death that we should have died. But Jesus paid the penalty in full with his own blood. He was hung on a cross. He was buried in a tomb and three days later he did rise again. So that he could prove to everyone that he is the son of God and he loves you that much to endure the cross. In fact, scripture says he said he counted it all joy to do what he did. Because he thought you were worth it. And all he wants is just a genuine relationship with you. And the benefits of having that relationship is, number one, knowing that you have a higher purpose in this life. And number two, having eternal life with him after this life. If that is you saying, I need that, or, or maybe you've had that and you're like, I, I didn't get back to God, I didn't get right with God. If that is you, we just slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone here saying, you know, that's me? Amen. So here's this other one. This is the second call then. 
because we have a room full of people who are going to be in heaven one day, there is a field ready to be picked right outside our doors. A field with people who do not know Jesus and the life-saving gospel. And I want to call us to be life-giving farmers today. Because this year of 2019, 2020 is going to be a season of sowing and reaping for the church. And if you say, you know what, I'm going to be that intentional farmer. I know it sounds silly, but I, I think this needs to provoke a physical response within our spirit. If that is you saying, no, I'm going to be that life-giving farmer. I'm going to be intentional with sowing seeds of faith in my community, at my workplace, in my relationships. If that is you, will you just sign, will you just kind of slip your hand up saying, that's me. I'm going to be that life-giving farmer. I'm going to sign up to do this. Amen. Come on. It's easy to be passive in this. It's easy to say, I'm raising my hand in my head, Vaughn. <laughs> I've done that a lot. But there's something about physically saying, you know what? I'm signing up for this. Father, you see the hands raised. God, I ask immediately after this, as we go out, God, that you would bombard our lives with those who don't know Jesus. God, as we're going to our workplace, you'd bring up conversations. God, as we're out eating at restaurants, you'd bring up opportunities. God, as we're out just walking to our cars, maybe a person will pop in our head and we shoot them a text message. God, we would be intentional of being life-giving farmers. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this time. I know it does not return void. In your mighty name, amen and amen.